many of you may not know <coughs> that this series was actually put together many months ago. And uh, I told Rob, Rob asked a few of us who wanted to preach, and I said, just choose any dates and just whatever it is. I'm I'm just are we on? Yep. I'm I'm just glad I didn't get the plagues, by the way. <laughs> Someone's gonna come after me and preach that. But I had no idea of the passage, and as I started to put in together the plan, uh, we heard the news of Bronwyn. I asked Rob last week, I said, how are you going to preach uh, this morning? And he said, oh, I'll tell you afterwards. At this time, when the body is grieving, God knew and when this whole plan was put together, God knew exactly on this day what would be preached. And so, what will God say to us from Exodus that is relevant and practical for us as followers of Jesus today? Um, my uh, reader uh, has not arrived, so I'm not going to read through the whole passage, but I'm going to give you a synopsis. Basically what happens is that the Israelites want to go and worship. Um, and remember they're in um, slavery, and then they say, afterwards Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let them go. In actual fact, what he says to the slave drivers and the overseers in charge of the people, make things worse for them. Actually, he says, let them make bricks without straw and let them make the same number as they were before the first thing that struck me was this when the Israelites decided that they wanted to go and worship God in other words they wanted to do the right thing things got harder not better have you ever discovered that when you desire to live a life following Christ, when we determine to live a life faithful to being a follower of Christ, it sometimes appears that things get worse. Um, I have to say that uh, in 1973, in March, I remembered because my sister became a Christian, and I was determined to make sure that I would keep her from hypocrisy. You know, you know what I mean. You're supposed to be a Christian and look at you. Um, fortunately, in November that same year, 
I came to a realization that being a follower of Christ. But things don't always get better. Why is it that they get worse? Pharaoh says, I don't know the Lord. And then there seem to be people who don't know God who actually are in the forefront of making it worse. That doesn't make sense. Why, when I'm trying to follow Christ, do things appear to get harder? Well, I went back to Exodus chapter 3 and read that God tells Moses what's going to happen. He says, you're going to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go, and Pharaoh is not going to listen to you. In actual fact, I'll harden his heart. Some things don't make sense, do they? Why, why when we're trying to do the right thing? But God tells Moses that that is going to happen. So why is Moses surprised? Why is it when we determine it sometimes gets worse and we are surprised? Because maybe I'm not sure that we hear what it's going to be like. I'm going to come back to what it's like to be a follower of Christ soon. I joined my last uh, employment before I'd been self-employed for a few years, but my last employment was in 2001 when I joined a, a, an organization, a member organization called the Employers and Manufacturers Association. I was in their training team teaching aspects of employment law. And I remembered my manager, who was the training manager at the time, sitting me down at my induction and saying, let me just tell you what this job is going to be like. I thought, oh, well, okay, this is induction, so I'll, I'll hear. And then he went to tell me all the negative things of the job. He said, first of all, let me tell you about the expense account. You don't have to stay in backpackers, but forget the five-star hotels. And then he went further to tell me about if you're going to have some wine and, and you decide that you want a bottle of wine, I want to see some money from you personally. Don't put it on the expense account. Okay. Oh, and you're going to be traveling away nights and uh, you'll have to do it in your own time and there won't be additional pay. And you're going to have to generate income. And if you don't, we're going to have this conversation again. I, I sat there in that meeting thinking, is, is this what I actually want to do? Looking back, in actual fact, we talked about it afterwards, but later, later down the track. I said, do you remember that? And he said, yeah, yeah Keith, I, I think I came across rather harshly, didn't I? But I wanted you to know exactly what you were letting yourself in for. Because he said, when things don't quite go well, then these conversations don't go that well. And that's always made me realize that when deciding to be a follower of Jesus, Jesus reminds us himself of what it's going to be like. A reminder, this is what Jesus said. 
You cannot love yourself more than me. You must take up your cross. You must give up everything to be a follower of me. Your career, it's not yours. Your family is not yours. Your money is not yours. There's a transfer of ownership and surrender which occurs when you follow Christ. Did God not tell us? Did he not give us a head up, heads up on what we would go through? Were we clear about the terms and conditions of following Christ? I started looking at some of these verses and Paul himself shares this verse for to you it has been granted for Christ's sake not only to believe in him but also to suffer for his sake it seems harsh but how do we respond to the reality of these situations well the Israelites this is what they do the Israelites um, they went and appealed to Pharaoh why have you treated your servants this way your servants are given no straw yet we are told to make bricks um, your servants are being beaten but the fault is with your own people and Pharaoh actually says lazy that's what you are lazy that's why you keep saying. And then it goes through that. But what the Israelites do is they actually, the Israelite overseers realize they were in trouble. So what do they do? They go to Moses and Aaron and said, may the Lord look on you and judge you. In other words, they start complaining. They call out to Moses and Aaron. I've been reading... Um, Adrian Plass. Now, uh, some of you are possibly not old enough to remember Adrian Plass, but you can see all the older ones nodding and smiling. Yes, uh, Adrian Plass wrote A Smile on the Face of God, and in actual fact, um, some Christians feel he's very sacrilegious because he says things which the rest of us maybe think about the church. But don't want to say it because, you know, you're not really supposed to say things like that. But he's writing to his friend Jeff Lucas. And the two of them correspond with each other in this book. And one of the things he says one of the things he says is that perhaps that's why some Christians have spent um, he's talking about Christians some Christians have a highly developed gift of moaning and have been practicing it for so long it is practically an art form but what makes Christian moaning so very difficult to stomach is the fact that we Christians not only moan about things in a very haughty pious manner this is not right, I'm not happy, and the God of the universe isn't impressed either because he agrees with me at all times. But most of the time we complain because we consummate consumers. Good King serves us cheeseburgers our way, and we expect the evangelical church 
to be equally compliant when we attend its services. If the version of the Bible isn't to our liking, if the preacher is too long, short, amusing, dry, challenging, then we suggest that the Holy Spirit might be grieved. The truth is that the Trinity isn't either nervous or indeed interested in multiple trivia that niggles us. I hope for those of you who are um, acquainted with Facebook, you'll see posts like this. The Israelites were the people of God. The Israelites like to moan. Don't be like the Israelites. What is it about us that actually makes us always, always cry out in this particular way? There is another part to crying out to God, and that is in a different manner, not moaning, but heartfelt agony. And I think for many people, this past week, and Rob shared with us, that young woman, there is heartfelt agony. I had a friend through Scripture Union that I met in the very first year we came to New Zealand, 1990. Helen Umoya was married to a medical doctor who went to Africa where they worked on the mission field in Tanzania. He was he was operating on someone that had hepatitis B, one of the very um, aggressive ones. And he died after that operation. Helen Umoya had five children. I think they were all under the age of 10. And came back to Palmerston North. It was in this time that I had met her. And I always remembered talking to her about that experience and why did God actually, why did that happen? They determined to follow Christ. And then her husband dies on the operating table and all of that is cut short. And I remembered Helen's answer as Rob said last week, I'd, I don't know why. And Helen would say the same. But Helen would always say, the good Lord knows best. But Keith, one day, I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to be judged, but before I'm judged, I'm going to give him a bit of my mind. <laughs> and, and Helen was the woman who would give people a bit of her mind. But she, in her heart, knew and said, the good Lord knows best. Cry not to God, please, not like the Israelites who kept moaning. There are people who hurt. These people cry out to God with heartfelt agony. Be like those people. I've got a three-year-old granddaughter who has reached the stage of, why, Grandy? Why, Grandy? 
doing something, why? And you know what happens? I explain to her, and it's, it's something that I'll remember, and I hope that this can encourage you, because when I tell her why, she says, oh, that's what's going to happen when we see God face to face. Oh, that's what it's about. For some of those answers, we will get now before we see God. But I think for many of the answers, we will only, ah, why? See, God had a bigger purpose in mind with Pharaoh. Actual fact, in six, Exodus 6 verse 1, this is what God said to Moses. Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God was in total control of that situation. Sometimes we see this side of eternity, but most times, and Jean Rhodes uses a nice illustration when she talks about the tapestry that we see the back with all those knots. But when we see Christ face to face, we will see the picture, the beautiful design that he had been planning all along. You see, trust and surrender is what God has called us to. Trust and surrender is what God has called us to. And the one thing that I'm assured of is that our hope, even at a time like this, our hope is in Him. Exodus 5 verse 1 to 6 verse 1 is relevant to you and I in 2021, year in Lower Hutt, where God has called you and I to be. Someone asked me, um, why are you still at this church? I've been here for 27 years. This is the season that we have been called at this point in time. Those of you who are here, the same thing. For this season, God has called you here. There's a purpose. I pray that you will continue to find what God wants you to do to bring about his kingdom on earth while you are here as part of this body. Exodus 5 verse 1 to 6 verse 1. This is the summary. Things may get worse. Things may not turn out as we expected them. God does give us a heads up. The Bible is full of examples of what God gives us. Just be aware. This following Christ is a free gift, but it costs everything to be a follower of Christ. Heartfelt agony is okay. 
moaning maybe not, but heartfelt agony calling out to God is fine. But be aware that God's plan is perfect. That's what I've discovered in Exodus chapter 5. And I pray, maybe we can just pray at this point. Let's pray. Lord, as we see your people and we learn from them things that in the positive sense, but also things that we can be reminded not to be like. Lord, I pray that you would give us comfort, give us hope when everything seems to be without hope. And may we trust and surrender to you, the God of the universe. In Jesus' name, amen.